I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Real Life Ghost Stories. Hiya. To kick off today's episode we need to thank our newest Patreon pledgers. We would like to thank Madzi Mulhooligan. Uh, Jeffrey Bridges, who I'm really hoping is Jeff Bridges, the actor. Oh it is, absolutely, 100%. Amazing. Audra Munoz. The excellently named Hobnoblin. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Bagnasco. Uh, Kaya King. Jessica Morales. Ryan. Joe Shirip Shirip I get all the hard ones today. Shirip Shiripa. Joe Shiripa Shiripa. Julianne Long and Anne Ford. Sorry if thank we've butchered you. your name. I really do apologise. But thank you from the bottom of our heart for what's the word subscribing to our Patreon pledging and for pledging your hard earned cash to us. We absolutely love you for it. Thank you. Our review this week. Dun, dun, dun. is Gothica. Now, Gothica was released in 2003. It has 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb and 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. 14. 14. Get out. No, I'm serious. See, this is why Rotten Tomatoes is just a joke. Uh, would you like a synopsis and then we can discuss Rotten Tomatoes in yes. a minute? The life of psychiatrist Miranda Gray, played by Halle Berry, is derailed after she nearly hits a girl with her car one night. Later, Miranda wakes up in her own mental hospital under the care of her peer, Pete Graham, played by Robert Downey Jr. Completely disorientated, Miranda is accused of killing her own husband, but she has no memory of anything after she encountered the girl. Slowly, Miranda begins to uncover what happened, but she has to escape the asylum to solve the mystery. Oh, I like your dramatic voice there. Thanks. What were your thoughts on this film? I firstly couldn't believe that I hadn't actually got around to watching it. I think bad. it was quite big when it on came my, out. Yeah, bad on my part. And secondly, I quite enjoyed it. I don't think it's as bad as 14%. No, it's definitely not as bad as 14%. Because that puts it in the realm of some of the crap that we've watched recently. So somebody messaged me and they said that uh, recently Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes have changed their uh, like terms of being able to leave reviews because people were, say for things like Ghostbusters, so anti-women, kind of uh, what do you call those people? Like misogynistic dickheads, were leaving reviews without even seeing the film just to bring it down and bring down the ratings and that was happening quite a lot particularly with female actors which is interesting mm-hmm. so I think they've changed their terms of service now to the way try and police the reviews a little bit yeah you've got to sort it out Rotten Tomatoes because this, this film is I don't think it's I don't think it's a 14% on it's, Rotten Tomatoes that puts bad. it like 4% above the that crap film we watched last week which I've already forgotten about oh, I don't even remember what it was yeah but that's only 4% above and it was way better than that it's yeah. not like a groundbreaking film, but it's like over 50% at least. It's not unreal, but it's not horrific. No. And I actually think the plot twist in it is really good. Yeah, it's very good. It's very good. And I, I don't know, I like, I kind of like films where ghosts are helping you out. Yeah. They're going against that sort of like, oh, ghosts are scary. Although she does it in a really weird way, didn't she? But, um, yeah, I mean, she does it in a really violent way. She causes way. her to have a car crash, then she throws her about a cell. Yeah. It's quite a violent way of getting But it worked. It Got did her to work. the right place what she needs to see and there was a couple of moments where i was like oh i'm not sure what this is where this is getting at is it this is it this and you're like shut up I'm yeah because <laughs> uh, i've seen it and i remember when i first saw it like in 2003 whenever that was how old was i then five 89 99 2000 2001 2003 so i was about 13 or 14 when i saw it i remember thinking it was like the best film ever but then obviously i was young the theme song for this film is Behind Blue Eyes by Limp Bizkit, which is an absolute by the who? groundbreaking, groundbreaking by song. By the who? Sorry, Limp Bizkit owned if Fred Durst singing, like, changed lives, Dan. It doesn't matter, it's still by the who. 
<laughs> yeah, so I like it's not it's not a terrible film. It's not a great film. Halle Berry is quite good in it. Yeah, no, I think she's I think she's quite a good actress. And I was just we were saying when we were watching it, that we haven't seen her in anything for a while. And it wasn't like um, what's her name, Jessica Alba, where we were like. Oh, we haven't seen Jessica Alba in anything for a while. And then we're like, oh, yeah. Because she's a terrible actor. She's not very good at this. Whereas I thought Halle Berry's thing is quite good in everything. But didn't she, wasn't she in Catwoman, which oh, absolutely flopped? If that's, yeah, if that's the reason, though. She was still all right in Catwoman. The film, the, the story is, is shocking in Catwoman. That was the problem. That's a bit unfair if that is the reason. So, yeah, again, Hollywood, if you're listening. Yeah, if you're listening, all of Hollywood. Hollywood cast, as a cast collective. Halle, cast Halle Berry and some more stuff. But she, um, so she is playing a psychiatrist and Penelope Cruz. Oh, she's She's creepy at the start. It's brilliant in it. Yeah. Like, she's fab. Yeah. And she plays a girl who is in the mental hospital because she killed her stepfather and her stepfather had been abusing her for years and she keeps talking about the devil coming into her cell to rape her, which obviously everyone thinks is, like, linked to her stepfather and you find out, oh, my God, maybe it's not, maybe it is, who the knows? The actual devil. So it's really, it's a really, in ways, it's a really clever film. The setting, the like the 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 asylum that they're in is really like not what an asylum looks like, but no. it works for what the film is. And you know, like you know how we saw that meme on the on the internet where it was like Mexico in real life and Mexico in Hollywood films, where it's got that sepia tone on it. It's a similar thing with asylums. Every time there's an asylum, it has like this blue hue over it, doesn't it? It's yeah. like that. It's just that thing that, that really producers cold do. Yeah. Hue, yeah. Her husband, the man who plays her husband, is like gives me the heebie-jeebies anyway, and I don't really know why. I'm not going to tell you the review. I know why. I, it's the cigar smoking. Oh, maybe that's it. it There's is. something about cigar smoking that makes... It's all phallic, isn't it? Sorry uh, if you're a big cigar, cigar smoker. smoker. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> Who's Joe? My, as in my brother. Joe, do you smoke cigars? He I don't know why I asked that like he was going to answer. <laughs> he likes A little voice from the ether goes, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah her husband is creepy in it and it's got a really good twist at the end do you know i think they do it's with like it's how they distinguish whether a big guy in a film is going to be evil or bad or not is how many shots evil they or sh- bad evil or bad i mean evil <laughs> or good is how many shots they show of his fingers <gasps> yeah so if you see a lot of his like fat fingers which you do when you're smoking cigars and stuff like that that's that tends to be like a a lead towards them being evil rather than good that's a really interesting point actually I'd never thought about that before. That's interesting. So what would you... We've said nothing really about what this film is about, I've just realised. The other thing that somebody messaged me on Instagram and said that during this film, apparently Robert Downey Jr. broke Halle Berry's arm in by accident during a scene and refused to apologise because he I was think, in character. I also think this is in RDJ's down period. What do you mean his down period? Well, we had the pre-Iron Man. He was like post-child success, which I still can't work out what he was famous for ages ago. He had a bit of a period where he was like super alcohol drugs dependent, and I think this might be at the tail end of it. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I don't that know. That doesn't for sure. excuse you know. No, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. Apologising. Absolutely doesn't. But it would. But I don't know whether it's true or not. And the person who messaged me and said it, they were like, I don't know whether it's true, and I really hope it isn't because I really like Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, I like you as well. In case you're listening and you're thinking about Robert Downey Jr. Taking us. God, to court. We've got really like. To be Jeff fair, Bridges Jeff Bridges is, is our patron, so. <laughs> Maybe it's getting around Hollywood. You never know. Who knows? <laughs> um, okay, I like this film because it's still supernatural yeah. and it doesn't get rid of the supernatural element at any point, which is great. But there's a lot of sort of reality and, and like... True crime and stuff. A true crime and a little bit of a look at psychology and psychiatrists. It's in a good setting and there's some good performances by actresses particularly. Yeah. Um, which is nice to see. I think it's a strong lead. I, I enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a four out of five. Four out of five. Mm. That's cool. The You know, earlier we were talking about, so before we started recording, Dan and I were talking about why this film is called Gothica. Oh yeah, I was going to ask you. Because <laughs> we just had no, like, there's no reference to it throughout the film. Right. We were like, what does that mean? So I looked it up for you. Oh, thanks. It isn't a word that exists. So it's not, um, yeah, I forget. it's not a Webster dictionary word, but in urban dictionary land, it apparently means when you are in a situation where you can see, feel, or believe something that nobody else does. That's what Gothica means, which makes sense in the so context. So pretty much then. my feelings about mirrors, about round rooms. Yeah. All those kind of things. But I don't know if that happened after the film was made, if that definition was born then, or that definition was born before the film. So who knows? Maybe they were like... In the original script, there was like an allusion to what it meant, and then they had to cut that scene for whatever reason. And then, like the producers were like, "We've got to give a reason," and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's an urban word meaning this." Let's create, an and urban then it's dictionary. just slipped into colloquialism. That's the wrong word. Slipped into languages. 
But yeah, so in terms of like etymology, the word pretty much doesn't exist. But it's, you know, it exists on like Urban Dictionary. It's gothic, isn't it? It is a gothic story. It has all the elements of the gothic genre. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it... Three out of five. Three out of five. (laughs) It wasn't as good as I remembered. But then again, I was like young. So... Yeah, you didn't have that feeling after the grudge, did you? It wasn't as good as you remembered. Oh, don't talk about the grudge. Don't start this episode talking about the grudge because I won't be able to finish it. So three out of five, I would recommend watching just for the twist in it. I would as well. I'm I'm very disappointed in myself that I haven't seen this, actually. This is the first time I'd seen it. Because it was a good film and I don't know why I didn't pick up on it when it came out. I was 19, so conscious. So, But were you not conscious before you turned 19? No. Oh, I see, I see. <laughs> hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, our stories this week, because it is episode 35. You all know that means it's a listener special. And I have got four stories for you today. Are they about really nice family trips? Oh, no, they're really not. I don't even know if I want to read the first one. You don't. That's that's the easy way around it. No, well, we I have mean, to. We're doing oh. it for the people, Dan. We're doing okay. it for the people. I'm going to go straight into this. But this story came with the title, The Rake. And we'll talk about The Rake at the end. But are you ready? Dan is absolutely, like, staring me out right now. He's I'm so annoyed you. at me. <laughs> story number one comes from Susan. So thank you, Susan, for yeah, your thanks, Susan. story. For as long as I can remember, I've always had odd shit happen to me. Growing up, I lived with my folks and an older sister and brother in an old 1930s farmhouse in the countryside upon two acres of land, surrounded by a dense forest. A bit far out, but with at least two close neighbours. Now the house was indeed old. It creaked, groaned and had an old furnace that rattled the walls when it turned on. It had its creepy noises that my siblings and I grew used to. We knew when we heard the raspy rattle in the hallway before the walls shook, it was the furnace. When the attic above groaned, it was windy or the house settling. Normal old house stuff. The oddities were hearing a voice yell our names from the other side of the house. Seeing somebody walk by in the corner of our eye by a doorway or down the hall, lights turning on and off randomly. We'd gotten so used to it that when they started to arise, we would just call out to please stop. And it would. Never had I felt the house was malicious, but it was alive. You could feel it was filled with memory, haunting, echoes, noises from a long-forgotten past that happened all the time at certain hours of the week, month, year, etc. Yet you could also feel that there were other things in it as well. As time went on, after a nasty divorce of my mother and father when I was 12, and my sister and brother soon after moving out, the house began to shift. It could have been from the negative atmosphere, my own angst and imagination as I was only 12, Yet there is that odd feeling or question that has remained in the back of my skull, ever wondering what could have caused it all. I have heard how old electrical wiring, old furnaces in fact, can cause sensations, even hallucinations to a certain degree. With that idea, some of my stories can be written off, so I shall share a few that had stuck out and even now I cannot explain away. The first I shall share comes with a wee ramble. I was 15 years old, living alone in this house with my mother. And as a teenager who felt I knew it all and having grown familiar with my creepy old house, grew brave and cocky. Typically, my siblings and I agreed to never leave our rooms after midnight due to the spooky stuff that was going on. 
I, as a child, believed them, but as I got older, felt they were just screwing with me, so decided to say fuck it. As teenagers go, when they need the most sleep, they just get maybe four hours a night, and I was no exception. It became a daily habit to go out of my room around midnight. At most, I got a really creepy feeling, but again, that could have been the furnace or our wiring. And again, a feeling isn't really much to call a haunting. This one night, it was a typical summer night, nothing really special to report. And as it was a bit past midnight, I want to say it was closer to one or two in the morning, I went for my glass of water. My bedroom was on the far end of the house, near the master bedroom at the end of the hallway. And the bathroom was across the way from my door. Taking a right, you walk down a narrow hallway that opens up soon enough into the dining area with the kitchen alongside it. And beyond the kitchen, an entryway into the living room. As I'm in the kitchen filling a glass of water, the living room to my right, I hear a loud thump like a book or something heavy fell to the ground. Setting the glass on the counter, I went into the living room. Now one thing I want to point out about this house is that it's full of picture windows. My mum loved seeing the wilderness from all points of the house, so the entirety of the house had its walls redone with large picture windows. They weirded me the fuck out at night, hell even daytime. I always felt like something was watching me from outside. As I flicked the lights on in the living room, I saw something white and round, Mm -hmm. like a human head duck down outside one of the picture windows. I'm going to pause there just for a second because I already can't manage this. (laughs) Is making my toes curl? It's always that fit, that uh, thing with picture windows, isn't it? When they look out into the wilderness, oh. where there's just when it's night time, there's just there's a a almost a wall of black at a certain point, isn't it? You can only yeah. see so far, and that's always creepy as it is without seeing something going. <sighs> Hello there. Okay, right. I'm going to continue. That scared me, and I quickly turned the lights off, locked up and numb, my mind trying to figure out what I saw. It was human-like, but not. I didn't think alien. It didn't feel like that, but it was something malicious for sure. As I'm locked up, standing there in the living room entryway, the glass shatters behind me and I turn around. Now I needn't turn a kitchen light on, seeing my mother had those blue lights all over the kitchen and bedroom hallway, but it was lit enough by the blue lights to see my glass of water had shattered on the ground, and all the cupboards, drawers, and even the oven door was wide open. What? That scared me. Yet what really freaked me out was that I had heard no noises. This is again an old house and creaked at every opportunity. I legit lost my shit and made a beeline back to my bedroom, locking the door and you guessed it, ducking under the covers to hide away. Nothing happened after that and nothing of that extreme nature happened for a long while after. By this time, I didn't really have anyone to talk to. My mother believed but also didn't like talking about it. My dad was completely shut off to the concept of ghosts and monsters, and the few friends I had just thought I was making shit up. And this leads to my second story. A few months later, I had three friends crash the night as we were preparing to go to a convention the following morning. Again, they did not believe me, so that night, as I lay in bed, I spoke to my ceiling to please show them that you were real, to prove that I was not making this shit up. Now then, I had one friend on the couch in the family room and the other two on the pull-out sofa in the living room. I slept grand that night, yet when I went to greet them in the morning, they had tales to share. My friend in the family room awoke to hear someone whispering close by, shh, don't wake her up, in a giggling young girl voice. And when she opened her eyes, she saw something like a wisp of white smoke rush past and disappear into the nearby wall. My other two friends who had stayed in the living room One said she kept waking up, hearing people walking around and quietly conversing. And the other couldn't sleep as she felt someone leaning on the edge of the pullout, breathing heavily upon her. Since then, only one of the three ever came back to my house. Yeah, don't blame them. When my mother was no longer able to make payments, we had to sell the property. And that was when it got even more active. Again, a lot of the activity could be written off, so not going to share unless asked. Mainly, simple shit, doors slamming shut, opening, lights going on and off, etc. Now, on our property, in the backyard, within the woods, there was a ravine about 100 feet down of nothing but wild plants, trees and a stream that the trout used to get to the nearby lake. When the news came from my mother that we had to sell our home, I, of course, was frustrated, angry and angsty teenager. Now, I typically have vivid dreams, even had one that followed me through my younger years involving a creepy wooden duck. What? Love it. (laughs) So vivid dreams really meant nothing much to me. 
Yet there was something off about this one I had soon after we had the news of selling. I had dreamed of being in the woods in a sunset surrounding. I stood not far off from the ravine edge where I and a friend of mine had draped a rope down to check it out periodically. I heard no words, only the wind that turned into a hiss as two spindly claws arose from the edge of the ravine and slowly pried out a thin humanish body, ashen grey, multiple yellow eyes, sharp teeth in a mouth with no lips. It had very long thin arms, each ending in two long claws. It walked on all fours and came over to me, of course, in a dream. I was not scared and simply watched as it got closer. On all fours, it stood about six foot tall and then looked down on me as I watched it. I knew it was him, and as I watched him, I simply spoke a single word. Hello. As soon as I greeted this creature, I was watched with sudden comfort. Home, embrace, warmth, welcomed, being wanted, a rush of all things good that brought me to tears and embracing this creature. As soon as I had, I was pulled awake, and for a while after, nothing else happened in regard to the creature. I have to say, I would not be feeling fucking warmth and Yeah, that's a really odd... Reaction because it wasn't what I was expecting no. when you were describing it. It's so creepy and like six foot on all fours is oof. that is massive. But um, yeah, it wasn't the emotions I was expecting to feel. Sorry. The new owner of the house turned out to be a complete city folk bully, demanding that if my mother and I were not out of the house by the end of the month, anything we left behind was his. He had also gone around the property asking my mother all of the heirloom plant life we had: a maple tree planted for my grandmother a rhododendron for my grandfather, a line of trees each planted for her three kids and her brother's children. Upon us moving out, our neighbour who was right next to the house reported this man had removed all the plants and trees that we had planted in deep meaning. He tore out at least two log trucks full of trees. Now this man had two daughters about 15 to 17 years old and one day when my neighbour got home from work she found one of them on her front porch and apparently claimed her key wouldn't work and when she'd been on the phone to her father She saw a monster in the remaining trees near the back where the ravine was. Yeah, you guessed it. She described the creature I had dreamed. Soon after, my neighbour kept telling us that the new owner was bringing in church folk, odd men in interesting garb. Yet after living there for two years, even after all the serious remodelling he had done, the house was put back up for sale. Since then, it has sold four more times. And my neighbour, while she still lived there, report the same complaints of the new owners, mainly their children, seeing an odd, slim monster near the ravine. Now, I've no evidence or proof that the creature was there visiting the children, yet it has helped solidify my thoughts that this critter was more than a mere vivid dream I had. Fast forward to my mid-twenties. I'm living in a single-floor home in yet again another heavily nature-graced, far-out-from-society property. It was night and I was helping my roommate wash dishes. I do need to point out, around this time, I started dreaming of the creature once more. Which you may giggle, I started calling him Frederick, in honour of Freddy. (laughs) Seeing this creature was in my dreams and just not trying to kill me. (laughs) So that night, as I go into the living area to gather the rest of our dishes, my roommate lets out a shout and drops a plate, shattering it to the ground. I rushed in thinking she'd cut herself with one of the knives in the sink. Instead, she shoves past me and opening the front door draws her gun. Yes, we were in the country and it was common of the wildlife to harass chickens and the goats she owned. As I came to join her, she was flustered and asked me if I saw it. I say no and ask what she had seen. She talks of an odd creature. Thin, hunched over and moving fast but nothing she could really place. This can be written off as a bear with mange or a deer. Yet what stuck out to her was she had seen yellow eyes but more than just a single set. So this tale has gone on a bit longer than anticipated, and I have plenty more, not just involving my spindle creature, yes, there is more of him as well, but here you go, a touch of my odd life and the strangeness that it is. There is no beginning or end to it, I just have ups and downs of weird shit happening in my life, and that's it. I've come to accept it, even when, at times, I'm running for the covers because of it. As a side note, I had drawn this creature as well, and had a friend of mine draw it, seeing as my doodle couldn't do it justice. So the thumbnail of this episode is that drawing of that creature. So please feel free uh. to have a look at it. Thank you for taking the time to read this story of my life. P.S. The wooden duck dream is just legit amusing to me now, yet as a child it terrified me. 
I would dream that I'm bundled in some blankets on the floor in the dining area by a wall where a tank of a salamander resides, its lights on. No other light is around and you can see the beginning of the dark hallway that would lead to the bathroom and the bedrooms further in. There is soft scrape in the distance when all of a sudden an old yellow painted face of a wooden duck on plastic wheels rolls quietly right at me and I awake. The toy did exist and ever since that dream as a child I never played with it. That dream is freaky. It's really terrifying. I don't like toys and stuff like that. So what are your thoughts of this spindly creature? Oh, we're going to start with that, are we? Because there's, there's two things going on in this story. Because that house is clearly haunted. And then yeah. we've got this creature. Oh, I, I just... Oh, it makes me feel... See, me I was I like, like really like... When you, when you said about the white face popping out of the window. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that is really creepy. But then I kind of felt sorry for him after that. For Freddy? Yeah. Why? Well, because it wasn't like the dream that Susan... It's Susan, right? Yeah. The dream that Susan had was like not what I was expecting like it was really creepy and then like she felt like loads of really positive emotions about him maybe he just didn't want her to go oh, and then I... and then but but all the other kids that see it just saw it and it would be really freaky to see right because you wouldn't yeah. be expecting it but it didn't really oh, do it, like, I can't even imagine it it just like like just makes me go all tingly I hate oh I can't but it's even because like it. it's because it's not something we normally see is it clearly yeah because <laughs> they're not just knocking about in every like place like <laughs> yeah but actually, maybe he just they just don't understand him, and maybe he's just lived like a really understood. He just lived a really undisturbed life with season and their mum, and because they planted loads of trees and made it really secluded for him, and that he could just get away with knocking about, never tried to do any harm. Still hate him. I'm sorry, I still hate him. Yeah, I mean it's creepy. I don't care if he's misunderstood or not. I just hate him. But and then when they started like when that douchebag started ripping out all the trees and stuff because he was an idiot then he was like well i've got nowhere to hide now so i'll have to be knocking about a bit more often and then maybe he was just trying to find her and that's why her friend saw her in the country. oh i imagine this thing is following you though <laughs> yeah but it's it likes following you through your life i don't care if it likes me i don't care if it likes me i don't want a big spindly six foot on all fours thing knocking around after me no thank you okay no thank you but i don't think it poses any threat to her What's really interesting is that she referred to it as the rake, right? Which we did a Patreon episode about the rake and it is a kind of modern phenomenon. But actually there's loads of different, loads of different people who claim to have seen the rake. And I wonder if the rake obviously was a fake story. It was, it was invented, but actually people are seeing creatures like this and the rake then is their kind of closest point of reference, yeah. which is why they refer to it as the rake. Yeah, because it's different because of the multiple eyes. I don't remember a rake story with multiple eyes before. No. So what is it? Is it like an alien? Is it a, oh, I don't, ooh. I don't know what it is. There's no creature that's that could be like manger-ridden that has that many eyes. Because it's only flies, isn't it really? Bugs that have like multiple eyes. Like most and we did mammals. learn yesterday that flies or bugs cannot be bigger than they are. So you can't have like supersized bugs because yeah. their exoskeletons don't allow it because they wouldn't be able to breathe. I'm still, I'm still disputing that slightly because I don't think all insects have exoskeletons. But yeah, what was I saying? Oh yeah, there's no mammals that have multiple eyes. So I don't know what it is. Maybe it is an alien. Maybe it's some prehistoric. No, it wouldn't be because we'd find something. For me, the worst part about that story is when she goes downstairs and she sees the little head ducking down and then all the cupboards are open. Yeah, but that two fuck separate off. things. Two yeah, separate things fuck though. off. Don't need them in my life. It reminds me of, you know, that scene in The Sixth Sense where mum leaves the kitchen for like two seconds yeah. and she comes back and the boy is still sitting at the table and all the cupboards are open and then he lifts his hands and he's got like those two sweaty handprints where he's yeah. been really frightened. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. But- I don't know what I would do if I was in that situation and those two things happened in tandem. Like I'd, I'd probably literally defecate. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Just FYI. <laughs> but we've got this other thing. We've got this haunted house, haven't we? There's a clear haunted house thing going on here with like poltergeists and other spirits and stuff. And that's that whole story where she was like, oh, I just showed my friends that you're real. And then they just went into hyper mode and were like having chatting conversations and like sitting on the bed. But then I wonder if, you know, if her friends, like as teenagers, when you have sleepovers, you'd be like, got to tell ghost stories or whatever. Those kids already went with the preconceived notion that this, ha- this weird stuff was happening in this house. So... The teenagers bit of it, I'm a bit like, because mm, teenagers do that. They like make yeah, things up. Yeah, but there was all stuff happening before they rocked up, though, wasn't there? Yeah, that's what I mean. But they knew there was stuff happening before they rocked up. So it might have been that they uh, either made stuff up or they heard things that they didn't actually hear or they thought they heard things is what I mean. So I wouldn't really take that. I'd take the whole teenager bit with a pinch of salt. But the rest of it, though, makes me want to die. Yeah, it's very just haunted. Makes me want to die. It's a very haunted house. Maybe they were in like competition with each other, the rake, Frederick and um, the ghosts. 
Yeah. So when she saw Frederick, she was like, oh my God. And the ghosts were like, right, we're not letting him have the last laugh. Up the ante. Boom. Yeah. Everything. Smash, smash, smash. Bam, bam, bam. And then she was distracted from Frederick again. And that's why Frederick had to come to her in a dream. But, how, but do, do you think it was a dream or do you think she like sleepwalked? Oh, that's an interesting concept. <gasps> but what, yeah, I don't know, maybe. But he's, he seems quite nice to me. He can be as nice as he wants. He still is a freaky looking thing yeah but that's like imagine if it was a human you were talking about that would be really like not nice well it's not a human i'm talking about is it no unless you know any humans that are six foot on all fours but it's just it's the same thing isn't it like you're just being discriminatory against rakes like this is a nice rake okay so i'm rakist yes you're a rakist (laughs) so story number two are you ready i don't know after the last one but i guess we've got to listen to it this story comes from Laura, so thank you, Laura, for sending in your story. Are you you, ready? Let's do this. Never ready. So my mum and dad separated when I was really little and both of them remarried. I would visit my dad every other weekend as a child and as I got a little older, I would stay with him for a couple of weeks during the summer holidays. He, his wife Liz and my stepsister Bailey all moved over to Staffordshire when I was about 10 or 11 years old into a house in a really beautiful but quiet village. They remained in the village until I was about 17 years old. My stepsister started school in the area and so made friends with a family that lived in the same village and whenever I was over for the weekend we would all hang out together, usually at our friend's house who lived about 10 houses up from ours, but sometimes out in the village or at my dad's house. Bailey was best friends with the youngest sister and I became good friends with her older brother and sister. There was always talk of the village being haunted and whether it was just down to us being kids and having overactive imaginations or something more, I always felt uneasy wherever I was. Whether it was at home, walking through the village, or past its huge creepy church right in the middle of it. Or even at my friend's house. Me and Bailey would often have sleepovers at our friend's house, and although most of the scary things happen at Dad's, one thing I can remember happening at my friend's house was being up at about 2am and getting a glass of water from the kitchen which overlooked the huge garden and beyond that fields. Out of nowhere, the sound of an old steam train came from outside. Now, I'm not saying that this couldn't have actually been a steam train. However, as far as I was aware, there weren't any train lines in the area. And like I said, it was about two o'clock in the morning. No train drivers would sound the horn on a steam train at that time. Not so spooky, really, but just downright weird, and it added to the creepiness of the village. By this time, my dad and his wife were now really good friends, with our friend's parents and they would all often have drinks or barbecues together. I think my dad actually went into some sort of business with the dad too at some point, although being a kid I didn't really pay much attention to that, so it's kind of a vague memory now. The family as a whole seemed happy and we loved spending time with them. However, when I was about 12 years old, my dad picked me up as usual to take me over to Staffordshire for the weekend, pulled over halfway through our journey to tell me that our friend's mum had tragically committed suicide. My stepsister had walked up to the house to see if our friends were in one day, but no one answered the door. They always left their back door unlocked, so my sister popped in to shout hello and found her suicide note left on the dining room table. Her family held a service for her at that creepy church in the middle of the village, and she was buried in a graveyard right behind it. A place, as kids do sometimes, we would sometimes hang out at. Obviously, this stopped after this happened, unless we ever wanted to visit her grave. It was obviously devastating for everyone, especially our friends and their dad, and sadly the relationship he had with my dad and Liz fell apart and there seemed to be a lot of bitterness surrounding the friendship. Liz was best friends with our friend's mum, so this really hit her hard on top of what I realise now was manic depression. She really struggled to cope. On one occasion when she was having a particularly bad day, she walked into their kitchen to see our friend's mum stood there, right in front of her, at the kitchen counter. However, she paid no attention to Liz whatsoever and from Liz's description, she was stood with a ghostly sewing machine. This was apparently something she loved doing in life. I think this gave my stepmom peace of mind, as if our friend's mum had come to let her know that she was at peace. This was just one of the incidents that happened in my dad's house in that village. And although spooky, I suppose it was quite a nice encounter to know that our friend's mum was still around and that she was trying to send a message to Liz that she was okay. However, this seemed to be one of the only nice encounters within the house that happened over the period of time that they lived there. Not long after they first moved into that house in Bednell, I had my first encounter, if you can call it that. The house had three bedrooms and a bathroom upstairs. I had the box room as my bedroom when I stayed over, 
And one night after being put to bed, I started to get a really uneasy feeling of being watched as I laid there. For some reason, I started to get this image in my head of a man stood on the other side of my bedroom door, which was closed, just staring straight through it right at me. He was tall, with a long coat and a fedora-type hat. I had no idea where this image came from, but it was all I could picture. I must have laid there crying for a good 30 minutes before someone came upstairs and heard me. Liz came into the room and asked me what was wrong and I told her. She didn't seem to question what I'd imagined, so she just calmed me down and promised me nothing would hurt me. Which, as an adult now looking back on it, was quite a strange way to react, considering the state I'd got myself in over this. Nonetheless, it did the trick and I eventually fell asleep. A couple of years later, Liz had a friend over for the evening while my dad was out for the night. I was sat in the living room with Liz's friend while Liz and Bailey were in the kitchen. The living room had a cold fire in the middle of it with a huge mirror placed on the fireplace. The TV was to the left of the fireplace and the sofa directly opposite with another sofa to the right-hand side of the first sofa in an L shape. I was sat on the sofa directly opposite the mirror and Liz's friend on the sofa to the right-hand side. She hadn't been in the house long and mid-conversation about her son, who I went to school with back in my hometown, she went very quiet. Shortly after, she stood up and left the living room. Liz came in to me about five minutes after that to say her friend had to rush home, so it would just be the three of us that night, and I never gave it another thought. Years after this happened, they had moved out of the house in Bednell. Me and Liz were talking about her friend and she brought up the night she had to rush home. Liz said she didn't want to tell me at the time, as she knew how much it would frighten me. But the reason behind her quick exit, as we sat talking in the living room that night, her friend had looked up into the mirror I sat opposite and saw a man next to the sofa, wearing a long coat, with a hat on, leaning over the top of me. No, no, no. My dad also knew about this, but never told me. However, when we eventually spoke about it, he told me that his old vintage long brown coat, which he adored, belonged to his granddad. And his granddad also wore a fedora-style hat. So whatever the fuck my granddad was up to, I don't know, but top marks were scaring the shit out of people, Gramps. <laughs> a lot of other things happened in that house to Liz and Bailey and a few to myself, but never my dad, it seemed. Whether this was because he refused to believe in anything paranormal, so he didn't notice it, or whether it was just because he was too nervous to admit what was going on in the house, I'm not sure. But it sure as shit happened to everyone else who lived or stayed there. Another occasion of mine, which still to this day I have no explanation for, was caused by something that I felt was an energy in the house that liked to play tricks on people. It was during the summer, in the middle of the day, and just me and Dad were in the house. He was downstairs in the living room and I was upstairs in my little box room reading Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I was about 11 years old at this point, and yes, I may have been reading a fantasy book, and yes, I may have been an impressionable and slightly nervous about being in the house in any, any way, but what happened next was not something I just imagined. So I'm sat there reading my book. My bedroom door is wide open, as are all the other doors upstairs. Like I said, I was alone up there, and suddenly I hear a whispering voice. For whatever reason, this doesn't scare me. I'm more curious than anything about what this is and where it was coming from. The whispering carries on, so I put my book down and walk out into the landing. I follow the whispering into my dad and Liz's bedroom. I walk right into the middle of their room and the whispering stops. The fact that it stops is what freaks me out, as I suppose I'd hoped it was coming from a radio or a TV that had been left on. However, there's no evidence of either of these things in my dad's room. I turn on the spot and go to walk out of the room when the whispering starts again. Only this time, only this time it's a lot louder and it's as though there there is more than one person whispering. It's as though I'm in a room full of people whispering right in my ear, whispering really loudly and really quickly. Needless to say, I bolted out of the room and straight downstairs to my dad. When he asked me what was wrong, I didn't even bother telling him as I knew he'd shrug it off as me being silly. Their bedroom was always a place that I really felt freaked out by and I later found out that that room was actually Bailey's room when they first moved in and they had to swap rooms because she was too scared to sleep in there. One day, while Dad and Liz were both downstairs and Bailey was upstairs in her room, she'd come downstairs and said she didn't want to play up there anymore because every time she put her toys back on her windowsill, something would push it off again. The same day that this happened, Dad tried to call to her dog, Peggy, inside from the back garden, but she just refused to come in, sat in the middle of the garden and stared up at Bailey's bedroom window barking. They changed bedrooms not long after that. 
A year or so after moving in, sadly, Peggy the dog passed away. Dad eventually got another dog called Thomas, a big dopey boxer that we all loved. Not long after we got Thomas, I was walking upstairs on my own when something caught my eye by my dad's bedroom door. It was only a foot or so off the floor in height, and the only way I could describe it was as if someone had poured oil into water, that kind of smoky, swirly texture that you get from doing that. But it wasn't oil or water, it was the air, almost like a little cloud of it. It floated from my dad's bedroom right to the top of the stairs where I was heading. It petrified me. I'm not sure why, as it wasn't like a face or a person or even a creature, it was just an oily, cloudy, floaty thing near the floor. I figured it must have been Peggy, as it didn't feel malevolent and it was so small. Bailey was out that night all night, and by this point I was always sharing a room with her when I stayed over. So I had Thomas sleep upstairs with me instead to keep watch. Out of everything that happened there, for some reason, this was what shook me the most. Those are just my stories from the house, but a lot more happened. Things went missing constantly, usually Liz's makeup. They would appear in the middle of the kitchen floor while we were all sat in the living room. We could hear footsteps upstairs while we were downstairs. Me and Bailey once heard the usual footsteps one evening while we were washing up in the kitchen. You could only get to the staircase from the kitchen. We sort of rolled our eyes when we heard the footsteps, as if to say, oh, you again, when the footsteps stopped, and then started again. Only this time, down the stairs a lot quicker. Bailey ran straight out of the kitchen into the living room, but I was so scared that I just froze, hands still in the washing up bowl. Whatever it was that I ran down the stairs was pressing up against the kitchen door because I watched the door tremble, and then it stopped. Another encounter Liz had in the house while she was alone. She was sat in the living room facing the back window when a ball of light appeared right in front of the window. She said she stood up and shouted at it to leave us all alone and that we weren't frightened. Liz seemed to deal with most of the things that happened there, which I definitely think accounted for why they actually eventually moved out. Not long before they moved out, though, the next-door neighbour also committed suicide in the garden. I've no idea how many things were in my dad's house, or whether they were evil or just plain playful, but I do know that the whole village seemed to have a really eerie vibe full stop. From the tragedies that happened there to all the spooky goings-on, it's still a place now that I avoid driving through, and I drive past it almost weekly on my way to my dad's house where he has lived since moving from there 13 years ago. He and Liz are no longer married, but me and Bailey are still close and still recount some of the things that we saw or heard there. But my dad still refuses to believe us. What are your thoughts? Creepy. Yeah, I need to know the name of the village. The house was in Bednall, she said. Bednall, okay. So there seems to be like loads of stuff going on in this story again. So we've got like the hat man. Yep. He seems to be kind of a regular feature. Although it sounds like... It's granddad. Yeah, it's granddad. We've got some like poltergeist activity. We've got some like orbs and stuff going down. We've got some whispering. We've got loads of stuff going on. But what's really interesting is that we again have an angsty teenager. So whether or not it's something to do with the like energy of teenagers that it attracts something that draws something or that it creates something I don't know but I just thought that was really interesting that was a very non-sceptical link to teenagers there that wasn't where I thought you were going yeah but it's the, it, it, the people always say that teenagers carry an energy that like links to poltergeist activity yeah. blah, blah 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 so maybe there is something about that mad teenage energy yeah that we don't understand, understand. yeah particularly mm. because if teenagers go through through trauma like having, you know, suicide in your life or your parents getting divorced or whatever, they often don't have a way to express it or they don't know how to express it. Yeah. Is it possible that that trauma comes out in like this mad energy that is able to create these things? Could be. You've kind of solved it, I think. Solved it. Solved it. Um, I had a little Wikipedia, a little Google in Bednall and it is very remote. It's in the middle of Derry land in Stafford, apparently. Oh. Uh, and the church is well old, like 12th century old. Oh, mad. So maybe the village is just not quite right. Because you know those remote villages that are still remote these days? Yeah. Were like super remote back in the day. Yeah, they were. You don't know what kind of weird stuff was going on. No, you don't know. You don't know what kind of weird stuff yeah. went on. That's a good point. So maybe. So maybe the village is just weird. Yeah. That'd be interesting to have a little little dig into that. Yeah. And see what the history of it is. I mean, yeah. I don't I think it's a bit of a jump to blame suicides on spirits and stuff, obviously, because it's a mental health thing. Yeah, there's a lot of sort of tragedy. tragedy yeah. Um, which is really sad, like super sad. 
and and obviously adds to like that that cultural experience of a place doesn't it if yeah. you've got lots of suicide or whatever in one particular place and it does happen that suicide c- c- comes in clusters yeah so if you've got lots of suicide in one particular place it adds to that feeling of yeah. tragedy and, and sadness that sadness yeah. and that like it be- it does become a part of the fabric of a community if yeah. you've if you've lots of like sadness and misery built into it and statistically dairy farmers are it's quite high is it the rate of suicide in, in farmers in particular because it's such a hard and isolating yeah. job and it? it makes sense but yeah, yeah it's really interesting but there's lots of stuff going on at house i just wouldn't want that whispering room will sounded the most terrifying to me i quite like the idea that like your pets come back to hang out with you oh yeah if anything ever happens to bims she'll definitely yeah. come back yeah i like that idea but that whispering room is awful like can you imagine it like following it and then walking in and everything stops and then just as you go to leave it gets like really high pitched oh, in your ear oh I can't and I'm guessing it's so like fast it was intelligible unintelligible rather that's even worse yeah and you just can't hear it's just like if they were whispering things that you could like understand that might make it a little bit easier but that like unintelligible really loud oh no get out imagine if they were just like acting out Shakespeare or something now is the winter of our discontent I'd be like <laughs> Oh well, this is weird. This is a turn up for the books. Oh wait, this is my favourite scene. Can you a bit louder, please? <laughs> <laughs> We've got two more stories to get through. Okay, but they are shorter stories. Okay. So our first one comes from Donna, who is longtime friend of the podcast, and we love you, Donna. Now, in order to grasp this story, I must give a description of the layout of my sister's house. So bear with this boring but necessary part of the story. When my sister lived in Westcliff-on-Sea, she moved onto an estate that was fairly new. The houses didn't have a front garden. In fact, the front doors just opened up and led straight onto what was essentially a car park. No path, just straight onto the road as such. And for the inside, this is very important for the story. So when you went into the house, the left straight away was the stairs. Then there was, at the top of the stairs, a bedroom. Not quite in front of the stairs, but down a slight way, then another bedroom. Then you went down a short landing and at the very end was the bathroom and before that was my sister's room. Both my sister's room and bathroom were in the front of the house. Downstairs, as you walk in the door, the kitchen was on the right and straight ahead was a door to the living room. I hope this is all making sense. It is, thank you. My sister had no carpets, just tiled floors at the time. Again, another important thing to note. So one of the many nights I used to stay with my sister, I couldn't sleep. I just woke up in the early hours and felt uneasy and couldn't get back to sleep. So randomly, for some reason, I decided to sleep on the landing in front of the bathroom and my sister's room. She always had the bathroom light on for us kids. Now, this puts me basically on top of the front door. So I'm laying there feeling really uneasy when I hear two ladies talking. Not only do I hear them talking, but I can hear them walking. What made it unusual was that they approached the door, still talking and laughing. And they went right through right on through the house and what seemed like out the back of the house now my sister always closed the door to the living room and the door to the kitchen at night and I never left the front door open but I didn't hear it open I didn't hear the living room door open or even the back door for them to leave what I could hear was also like a shadow of what were once voices like an echo from the past with footsteps like when they echo through a corridor It was all very scary and I was frozen in fear until I fell asleep. The next morning I said it to my sister, did you hear those two women last night? To which she said, yes, they walked right through the house. We later looked into it and found that it used to be the site of a hospital. Could they have been nurses carrying on their daily jobs, having a chat and a laugh through the corridor of a hospital long since past? Maybe. All I know is that we both heard the same thing. So a short one. Yeah, creepy. But it could be like residual energy, I guess, couldn't it? Just be something that... I know you don't agree with that, but... No, but not necessarily. Like, I don't disagree with it. I don't know. Yeah. It could be like just something that they did so many times that it's, there's like a sort of spiritual imprint. I wonder how that works, though, like that spiritual imprint. Like, how how does it replay? Like, what makes it replay? What makes those women... Like, does that happen every night? Does it happen, like, once a month? Does it happen once a year? Why why or when does that happen? Maybe it's, like, the date and time that it happened. I don't really know. You've got to be awake for it as well, though, I guess, and you've got to be attuned to it. Yeah. You don't really know, do you? But it, it sounds very, sort of... It's creepy, but it doesn't sound very malevolent. It just sounds like there was just some shit going on. Yeah, isn't that... But yeah. I think that's... Um, 
I think that's somehow even more interesting because it's not it it it, it doesn't rely on us no. like us live. It's that whole if a tree falls in the forest does it make a sound if no one can hear it it's yeah. that kind of work which it clearly does but whereas the other spirits are like malevolent or they interact with us or whatever it is yeah. whereas this it's just like it carries on regardless of whether you are there to hear it or not yeah which is a really creepy thought it is creepy but then at the same time it's like if you don't need to be there for it to happen then actually its impact on you is, is only what you make of it isn't it if you just yeah. like sit and listen to it and go well this is just this happens all the time or this has got nothing to do with me. And it's also like the steam train in the previous story. Oh, okay. Yeah, I meant to talk about that. Yeah, that's not something that... um that it, well, Rather, that is something that came up in a previous story. Yeah. In a previous listener's story about them hearing a train outside the house when there was no train tracks nearby. What were you going to say about it? So, there's two things to this. I think 100% is probably a ghost spirit train imprint from back in the day. There probably was a train that ran through there. But... On a practical note, coming from a family of train geeks, um, yeah. I have residual knowledge that comes from me <laughs> that I retain yeah. about trains. And actually, there's certain points on the train track for a steam train where they have to use their horn regardless of the time. It's part of the requirement. So, oh, really? Yeah, to let people know that it's coming so there's not people on the track. So if there was a steam train running, it would still have to do it at that certain point. However, it's highly unlikely in this day and age that there would be a steam train running at two o'clock in the morning. Okay. So they, that's facts with, with my dad. <laughs> facts with Steve. <laughs> Story number four. Okay. Last one. All right, I feel quite calm because that last one was quite in, was interesting. Oh, it was creepy, wait. but interesting. Oh. This one is short, but horrible. Okay. I've just finished listening to your episode on Witches of the Southwest. This is from Laurie, by the way. Thank you, Laurie, because this oh, okay. made me like not happy. I wanted to share my perspectives as an Anglo growing up in a very native social landscape. I grew up in New Mexico, Navajo, Hopi, Apache and many other Pueblo and native nations reside there. They all have a skinwalker legend, much like they, they all have a Bigfoot Sasquatch legend too. Something to think about if you're willing to take the skinwalkers as truth. Seriously though, skinwalkers are considered incredibly evil. They are people who have committed a terrible act like killing a loved one or cannibalism. They are not a matter of passing curiosity to native peoples. They are deadly serious about them and do not talk about them to outsiders as a rule. I've already got creeps. I have a story to share about a friend who did experience what he believed was a skinwalker. Many years ago, he and several friends, I think there were four or five people in the car, were driving around the outskirts of Alamo Gordo. New Mexico. I'm just going to say Alamo Gordo, and I'm sorry, I probably have not pronounced that right. New Mexico at night. Much like one of the stories you read on your podcast, they passed what they thought was a large coyote on the side of the highway. When they looked back, there was a naked man chasing the car. And every time they looked back, the man was closer, keeping up with and gaining on the speed of the car. I don't know exactly how fast they ended up driving, Keep in mind, in New Mexico, the legal speed limit can be as high as 75 miles an hour because of the long, flat stretches of road. At some point, someone in the car said to stop looking at it. Acknowledging it gives it power. After about 20 minutes of forcing themselves to look forward, the driver glanced in the rearview mirror and the naked man was gone. Many of us native New Mexicans, no matter what our heritage is, will throw down our oh hell no when anyone mentions skinwalkers. They are the worst of black magic. Yeah, I just liked that little bit of validation about Skinwalker yeah. Legends because that was one of my favourite episodes to I research. Had the, I had the creeps before she even told... He, they... Laurie, she. She even told the story um, because of the way that she introduced it. I was just like... Yeah, yeah. Just, just it being like, it's not a pa- it's not like a folklore no, little no, legend no. for the native people. No, gross. It's, all that, it's that thing though, isn't it? It's that unnatural speed in humans. Just disgusting. Yeah. I wonder if, like, this is going to be, this is a really random thought, but bear with me. Don't cut me off on this because it's... Right, go. I wonder if, if you saw Usain Bolt running out of context. Oh, would you think? Yeah, would oh you be like... God. Yeah, no, I'm serious though, because it's like, obviously we appreciate that he's super fast, yeah, but we always see him in the context of running of in... other fast people. Yeah, or, or running on a track where that speed is expected. And so, mm-hmm. although you see it's really fast... You don't think 
wow, that's really fast. You just think, wow, that's amazing. He's done 100 metres in nine. But I wonder if you saw him running out of context. So if he was like... Yeah, if you if like that you were driving along and he was running behind your car. Yeah, like not making it like... Not minimising the skinwalker thing because obviously that is really creepy because these aren't athletes. But I just mm. wonder if you would... If you... That, that sort of wavering sensation that you feel when we talk about like unnatural movement, I wonder yeah. if you'd have that sensation if you just saw like... Somebody who is naturally really, really, really fast, fast, but out of yeah. context. That makes a lot... I've never thought about it like that. Yeah. And there are cases of, like, people who do amazing things when they are filled with adrenaline. Yeah. Like, that whole idea of a mother lifting the car off her baby. Like, that is true. Like, yeah. that does happen. Yeah. And people who have certain illnesses or people who have certain psychotic breaks or whatever can genuinely get superhuman strength. Yeah. Honestly. Or the inability to feel pain. Yeah. So, these things do happen. So I don't know. That's really interesting. I mean, it doesn't. It's not like I'm sure that like I can't explain a coyote turning into a naked man, yeah, keeping running. pace with a speeding car like that. I can't. But I'm just that's an aside. My thought. My thought about you saying you saying Bolt was a was an aside more than anything. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. So we've got three new reviews. Ooh. I've started doing them in threes because we'll we're never going to get through them. No. Okay. The first one comes from Mam Brown, who said best ghost podcast ever love the dynamics between emma and dan and love the material have been listening continuously love when dan gets wigged out and even better is when emma gets booked out lol <laughs> yeah it's not very often that i get no. really freaked out so and the second one comes from o'malley jackson one of the best podcasts out there i love this podcast emma does tons of research and presents very interesting stories Dan is very knowledgeable about the paranormal and I love how he's so ready to believe in it all. He is my spirit animal. <laughs> That's like the second person that said that. <laughs> you are people's spirit animal, babe. And then finally, we have Southern Bell 3 and it's entitled Five Stars. Great show. The hosts have awesome accents. Yes, we do. <laughs> Their humorous banter and spooky stories are so entertaining. Keep them coming. Thank you so much and we absolutely love the fact that people leave us reviews. So keep leaving us them reviews. We've got some really mad ones this week and I can't wait to get to the point where I'm reading okay. them out and you'll be like, what? Oh, just dropped my phone. It's okay, everybody calm down, I'm back. <laughs> so thank you so much as always for listening to our little podcast. Goodbye. No, we're not ready to go yet. Oh, we're not? No. If oh, no, we haven't done all our links. We haven't done all our links. <laughs> I mean, stick around. Hang on. <laughs> if Doug Wetterer, just yet. If you want to have more content, you can sign up to our Patreon page, where for $5 a month, you get an extra episode a week called Tiny Tales. Tiny Bims. And you get an extra episode of 50p Movie Club. And for $2 a month, you get an extra episode of 50p Movie Club a week, which is a podcast with Dan. Kind of a And week. Will. Yeah. Uh, Will, where is uh, this week's episode? Well, it's, it, it, it's the last week of Terminate, so you've got to give him a Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll, give him, I'll give him that. And yeah, if you can sign up to that by going to patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories. If you want to chat to us, the best way to do so is to go and like our Facebook page, Real Life Ghost Stories, and to join our supergroup, which is RLGS Supergroup. And the secret question is, who are the hosts of this podcast? And it's Emma and Dan. I've just realised yesterday that when people answer Jen and Tony, yeah. it's not a joke. There's a podcast called Real Ghost Stories Online, and the uh -huh. hosts are Jen and Tony. Because okay. I was like, somebody sent me this really intricate answer about like how the old hosts used to be like Carol and somebody else. And now the hosts are Jen and Tony. And I was like, oh, this isn't people taking the piss out of us. Oh, who? And then I was like, what is this? So I looked up their names and realized there's a podcast called Real Ghost Stories Online. And people are getting our podcast confused I mean, with theirs. Thank you very much for joining our super group. But if you were expecting Jen and Tony, you're in the wrong place. Although I don't know why you'd be listening to this. I don't know who I'm talking to. But like. Yeah, but, they, yeah, but if you're listening to Real Ghost Stories online, you're unlikely to hear this. So, you know. Um, and also, you can join us on Instagram. We are Real Life Ghost Stories podcast on Instagram. And then Dan has his own Instagram. Mine is at 50p Movie Club. And thank you to all those that are voting currently in my little film battle off. It will make sense when the 50p Movie Club episode is released. But keep going because it's useful. Thanks. And you can join us on Twitter. At Real Ghost Pod. And people keep adding me on Snapchat. And thank you. Keep, like, I mean, keep adding me on Snapchat, but I don't really use it. So I apologize. But if you have a creepy story that you want to send us, you can do so by emailing us 
at real life ghost stories podcast at gmail.com and I am working my way through them I thought I'd lost a load of stories yesterday so I had a big panic turns out I just needed to scroll the page (laughs) so the ones this week aren't really chronological because I thought I'd lost loads of them but keep sending us in those stories I have so many to get through so many to get through but I will get through them eventually and you know what I really like is that they're all fresh like they might be about similar things, but they're stories I've definitely never heard before. And I love Yeah, they're that. new stories, yeah. which I love. That is really exciting. And finally, this week, I saw the most exciting thing that I've ever seen in my life. What was that? When I was driving home from work, I saw two little girls on our oh, street. Yeah. <laughs> and they were walking along with what I thought was a little tiny dog on a lead. And then I looked and I was like, that's not a dog. Is it a cat? It wasn't a cat. Walking down our street, two little girls had a tiny pygmy goat on a lead. A tiny baby pygmy goat. And it was definitely smaller than Bim. And that is small. And that, sorry Jake, because I know you've already heard this joke, is a real life goat story. Hey! That was good. It's a little reference to Jake Haley, who is a goat farmer. Oh. And I love his videos of goats. I, I had no idea what you were talking about. And on that note... Me. We love you and we will see you next week. Bye.